Welcome to Worth Reading Wednesdays here at the Columbus Lounge Public Library System. This is a podcast hosted by CLPLS librarians about books we're reading and recommending and anything else that has caught our attention. My name's Tori. My name's Nicole. Oh, look at us. <laughs> we actually know our names this morning. How are you doing? <sighs> I'm doing okay. Just, I feel, I don't know, after the ice storm in February, or was it January? I can't remember. February. February. I just feel like I haven't been able to make a comeback. Like, literally, like, my brain sometimes feels like it's just moving in slow mud. Oh, man, I'm sorry. And then I come into my office, and then it's like all this stuff that I definitely need to catalog, definitely need to get out on the shelves and I'm just like it's so much (laughs) then preparing for National Library Week you know we did those binge boxes so I'm just like I'm tired I feel that well so National Library Week is coming up very soon it'll be April the 4th through the I believe the Pi K thing will be on the 10th so that will celebrate our library and it'll be a little a little uh mini marathon of sorts from the yeah. back parking lot of the library to I think Zachary's I don't even know anyways just something to look forward to for sure yes and um, we'll have the binge boxes that will yeah. be coming out those are going to be DVD boxes curated by our librarians here centralized around a certain theme they'll have three to four movies in them so yep. you can just take the whole box home and it only counts as one dvd yep sure so you can like check out three binge boxes and have like eight different movies possibly that you could watch yeah and enjoy it's really overall. cool yeah i think it's really cool too and then we'll it's have a good idea. some poetry in the garden at i think it's called munson and brothers right next to the soccer fields downtown yeah, okay <laughs> we'll link their website in the yeah. show notes which by the way, I do want to reiterate, our show notes can be found on our website now, lounslibrary.com. Um, you just go to library services under that tab, click on Worth Reading Wednesday's uh, podcast, and you can actually listen to the podcast there and look at all the cool. stuff we talk about. And I think we said that before, but I just kind of want to reiterate yeah. it because it's you don't have to have like a streaming service, a specific yeah. app. You can literally just listen to it from a computer, so... Cool. Well, I want to talk back about, real quick, uh, the poetry that we're going to be doing for National mm-hmm. Library Week. So, I don't know if I told you, but Clara, our adult services librarian, actually helped me before she stopped working here at the library back in the day. Mm-hmm. She helped me to check off one of my things on my bucket list, which was to read two of my original poems to the public. <gasps> and that was when the pie shop was still open and they would have poetry night there. And I did. And it was only because Clara actually was like, come on, you can do it. It's a, you know, safe space and all of that. And I literally checked those two off my boxes. So with the poetry that's going to be done for National Library Week, I told her, I said, I don't think I really have anything, uh, any other poems that I would want to read because I haven't written any in a while. But then one night, I was actually having thoughts of a poem coming through my head and the title was bookish things make me happy and it was going to be about that so I think I'm going to try and pick it up and write the poem yeah and see if I can get up there and you know surprise the people well if you stop by 
it, I think it's happening that Friday. Mm -hmm, it Excuse is. Excuse me. Uh, this is very exciting information. I just stayed up late to read a book. I'm not bored by it. Um, <laughs> so, if you stop by that Friday, I believe that's April the 9th mm -hmm. at Mudson and Brothers. We'll have a post up on our Facebook page and For stuff sure. about it. Yeah, and then we'll be having a teen scavenger hunt. Neat. The children will have a bingo square that they or a bingo card that they can fill out to earn a prize throughout the week. Ooh. We're actually doing the uh, the edible book festival. Nobody gets any prizes. People just this year it's just show off your flex. Can you make a book out of some food or no? So it's going to be like the real OGs. Like are you doing this just okay. to get a prize? Are you doing this cuz you want to show your skills, you Okay. Know? All right. I'm so doing it. We're offering a lot of stuff this time and I'm very excited about even it. in the midst of all this pandemic craziness and hopefully things are at this point going to start waning down where we can actually start seeing people's faces more at programs and things like that mm -hmm. we're still doing some good stuff for National Library Week and I can I can dig that for sure I'm you know the more people get vaccinated the more things yeah. will start opening up because the restrictions are definitely loosened on those yeah. with vaccinations by the CDC. So, <laughs> but let's uh, jump in. We're gonna start this episode by highlighting some books by and about Asian American experiences due to the recent violence against the Asian American and Pacific Islander community community and the because, devastating losses yeah. that they faced, especially with the rise in the pandemic and mm -hmm. the extensive racism that they have experienced. So we just want to honor that community. Yes, um, we do. By highlighting some of the books that are about them that celebrate this specific group right. of people because any injustice toward any group of people is an injustice to the human race, period. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just not something we should tolerate anywhere, anybody. So I think I think this is really good that we're doing this and I would like to just say a deep, heartfelt condolence to the families of the people who passed away recently in Atlanta. I think what they're the way they portrayed it in the news with him just having a sexual addiction, addiction, and a bad day. Like, yeah, that's not that communicates that it's okay to do that when you have a bad day, right? And I'm just like senseless, super senseless. And I hope and pray that, that there'll be some comfort that comes through the community. But also, too, you know, get out there and protest and do what you need to do, you know, out there in the public to really put it out there that, you know, again, any injustice toward any racial group is an injustice to the human race. Exactly. If you're a human, you have interest in the well-being of other humans. Yeah. Or you definitely need to. But, yeah, we'll be uh, sharing a link in our show notes as well of how you can help this community during this time. Yeah. But other than that, do you want to get started? I do. Okay. So I've got a super, super duper new, just like right out of the Amazon box. Yeah, like this is new levels like, of new. Right, like new levels of new. And it is actually a set of children's books. And it's called Sam Wu is Not Afraid Of. And it's by Kevin, uh, Katie and Kevin Sang. And when I say it's the cutest little guy, yeah. he's, his hair is wildly up in the air. And it's on all of the books that mm -hmm. his hair is standing straight up on his head. And what I found just from looking up 
what this series is about is that Sam is the biggest scaredy cat, <laughs> but he actually is able to get past his nervousness and mm-hmm. his fears of different things by just tackling it head on. And I'm just like, you are so cute. He's got different books called, for instance, uh, the very first one is called Sam Wu is not afraid of ghost. And it's, in the back, I just have to read this little part. It says, I'm Sam Wu, and I'm absolutely, positively, definitely not afraid of ghosts. But when Ralph Philip Zinkerman III started calling me Scaredy Cat Sam after the event that must never be spoken of ever again, so don't ask, <laughs> I knew I needed a plan of action. One, obtain terrifying and deadly pet as sidekick. And two, defeat the Ghost King once and for all. Easy, right? And P.S. Look out for my next encounter. And the next set of books are Sam Wu is not afraid of sharks. He's not afraid of the dark. He's not afraid of spiders. He's not afraid of zombies. And he's not afraid of space. And I just think this is so incredibly cute. I mean, it's hot off the Amazon box, like right out of the box, y'all. And I'm just so glad that I saw it. And I bought the box set because Mm. um, I had seen that through Amazon, that there were a couple of things on there that, I know, doesn't the smell just... Uh, yeah, it smells we're, really good. We're, we're such book nerds, but that's okay. But he, the books were starting to get a little bit of a buzz. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw it, I was like, hmm, I wonder do they have a box set? And sure enough, they did. And I was like, definitely need to get this. And so I put it on that cart and grabbed it and it came in and I'm just so excited it's got some pictures, a couple of pictures inside of them. It's uh, heavily illustrated for sure. Yeah, but it's a nice little chapter book. I thought at first, I was hoping, my fingers are kind of slightly crossed. I wanted it to be a graphic novel because I know how how the kids love the graphic mm-hmm. novels, how they fly off the cart. It's not, but it's got so many cool different t- types of stuff on it that's everywhere that makes it slightly comic bookish, but it's just not a comic book. If you're if you have a young reader, I would say this is kind of like a combination of Eerie Elementary plus Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Okay, yeah, that right. kind of style. It's heavily illustrated, even so, even more so than Diary of a Wimpy Kid is. Okay, but it's still kind of in that. It's not handwritten like some of Diary of a Wimpy Kid is, but it's mm-hmm. journal. It's like journalistic in a sense. It yeah. it bolds certain words that they really want you to pay attention to and add emphasis to in your reading, yeah. and the the illustrations are definitely giving you clues to what you're what you need to be paying attention to in the text. So it's I would say it's definitely a good uh, thicker chapter book if you're looking yeah. for. A thicker chapter book with, but you if you have a reader who is still on chapter book level, but they're zipping through the chapter books and they're it's almost too easy for them. Mm-hmm. I would say this is your next level up. You definitely okay. want to grab this one for sure. Love it. I love it. So again, that was Sam Wu is not afraid of, and there are five books in the series, and I'm gonna rush to get these out because they're super cute. They are like super cute. I love it. Uh, love it. And that was by Katie and Kevin saying. And then the next one I have is not necessarily new, but I love her. Okay. I don't know if you've seen her Netflix. I uh, have. You have seen the Netflix movies. When I say I cracked up through the entire movie, <laughs> this book is called Dear Girls, Intimate Tales, Untold Secrets, and Advice for Living Your Best Life by Ali Wong. Mm. And I love the front cover. <laughs> 
She's like looking so exhausted. Her eyes are closed and she's in this glamorous dress. <laughs> right. But her mouth's a little open. And right. She's like, like she, she could slob at any moment. <laughs> well, it almost it reminds you of like, especially with the title Dear Girls, like mm-hmm. it reminds you of a grandmother sitting down on a couch to tell you about that time yeah. in 1959 <laughs> when, you know, things were happening. So, Ali Wong, in the back in reading, is a stand-up comedian, writer, and actress. And she's released two hit Netflix comedy specials, Baby Cobra and Hard Knock Wife. And she wrote and stars in the Netflix original film, Always Be My Maybe. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband and their two daughters. And Always Be My Maybe, Maybe trying to make sure I don't say baby, maybe, is the Netflix film that I was just asking Tori about. And I I loved it. It was so hilariously funny and cute. But this is uh, kind of like letters to her daughters. And it is got some funny things about it. Like she's got stuff crossed out and little emojis, emoticons, so to speak. And I just think that it's just a good way to really just show how much she wants to impress upon her daughters about who she is, what life is like as an Asian American. And I just love it. I mean, it's again, it's kind of like a biography, but it's not in our biographies. It's in our 792s. And I meant to tell you sometimes with these biographies, depending on, I guess, what it is, Mm -hmm. I guess depends on the person, whether they say slam this directly in biography or they break it down and put it into what that person's career is about. I find mm-hmm. that a lot with a lot of regular nonfiction, not children's nonfiction, mm-hmm. but definitely a lot of regular fiction. Oh, did I show you the back? Yeah. <laughs> it says, Dear girls, you are prohibited from reading this book until you are 21 years old. I write about some truly embarrassing mm, I did in my youth, and I don't want you to use these stories against me when you are teenagers. Thanks for understanding. Now put this blank book down, book back on the shelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. So cute. And I just think that it's just, I would like to read it simply because to see what she wanted to tell her girls. It's on my TBR as yeah. well. I just, she's so refreshing and that yes. she's very straightforward with her comedy. Yeah. Like, I, the most memorable part of all, Always Be My Maybe, mm-hmm. along with the magnificent Keanu Reeves spotlight. Right. Can we... <laughs> The whole, okay, my husband asked me to watch Always Be My Maybe. Oh, really? Like, I did not come to him with the rom-com. He was like, (laughs) I want to watch this with you. And I was like, weird, but okay, definitely going to do it. And we, like, at the very end, so Keanu Reeves makes, like, this random cameo in the movie. And at the very end, the male main character makes a whole rap about Keanu Reeves. (laughs) And it's possibly one of the greatest cinematic um <laughs> right musical elements to any movie i've ever seen and but all these be my maybe was a it's a movie about like this girl and this guy they've grown up together mm-hmm. and they've kind of drifted apart they were living in different cities and they cross paths again and he's like kind of a couch potato unfulfilled mm-hmm. failure to launch type and she's like a celebrity chef got mm-hmm. all the things and he's feeling very insecure about his place in life and she's more of like I have no time for insecurities I have ish to do right and they kind of collide and I just remember thinking it was so admirable that character that she specifically like they don't 
there's some beating around in the bush, but when she realizes there's beating around the bush, mm-hmm. she quickly lays out how she feels about things. Yeah. And as, it was like watching an eight in a movie, in an <laughs> room eight in a movie, because she doesn't get, it's, Oh my gosh, it was just so validating to see a female character mm-hmm. not try to drop hints right. and not try to, you know, play the little game that a lot of female characters are seen doing in movies right. when they like a male character. Right. And it it holds a special place in my heart because I really felt like I could I'm not that person either. Mm-hmm. Like when I like somebody, I'm going to be like, "Hey, I like you. Am I wasting my time? Do I need to move on? Are you vibing right. too?" <laughs> That's right. kind of what happens in that yeah. book in that movie and Ali Wong, uh, I think she had a very big hand in writing it. And mm. so I definitely want to read Dear Girls for sure yeah. because she's so smart and right. quick-witted and I just I all the stuff she says, I just want to write it down in a book. Right, exactly. Which she did for us, right. so, you know. Well, I, I just love it, and I loved her, and I loved Always Be My Maybe. Like, I just, I could, it's one of those that I could actually watch again. Yeah, definitely. That just had me just cracking up from beginning to end. So, this again is called Dear Girls, Intimate Tales, Untold Secrets, and Advice for Living Your Best Life by Ali Wong. A definite pickup. Love it, love it, love it. And those are my new books. Okay, so I've got a new to us and a new book. Okay, like great. New to us and new and then new to us. <laughs> um, so this is this first one's called Maya Lynn, Thinking with Her Hands by Susan Goldman Rubin. And so it does say in here, more than simply an art book, this compelling biography of a young woman who became a visionary artist and activist is also a timely celebration of the role of women and minorities in American society, past, present, and future. So Maya Lin actually, she designed the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. Oh, neat. And she actually won the competition to get to design that, if that makes oh, sense. Neat. Okay. She's received, I think it's a National Medal of Arts from okay. President Obama. Really? Um, she designed the Langton, Langston Hughes Library. Wow. She's got her hand in a lot of things that you probably wouldn't know, mm-hmm. um, but you you know right. kind of thing. Like, you know what it is, or you know who the building or monument is honoring, right. uh-huh. but you wouldn't know that she had designed it. So, it goes through her experiences of growing up as an Asian American mm-hmm. in Athens, Ohio, and how she ended up getting influenced to become a sculptor. And and this is actually on page, I think it's page 14, it talks about, she wrote the one-page essay, and it has the essay on the left side, Mm -hmm. and then it's talking about how she was editing it until the very end, about how she wanted to design the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. Mm -hmm. And I will say that it's super cool to see what all she's had her hands in being able to create and visualize into her sculptures. Just cool to know that she was able to develop the Langston Hughes Library. I mean, that's that's really cool. Yeah, and the Southern Poverty Law Center in Montgomery, Alabama reached out to her, and she actually designed the Civil Rights Memorial as well. Neat. And she was like, I didn't want to do it because I wanted to be typecast as like a monument designer. Mm -hmm. But she ended up doing it. Mm. And that's what it's like the circular table. Yeah. Inscribed with a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. And it Mm -hmm. has dates of different, like all, 
it's kind of almost like a large wheel, but it yeah. looks like a large table, like a round table, Knights right. of the Round Table or something. Exactly. And it has a timeline of significant events that happened during the Civil Rights uh, era of mm -hmm. the 1960s. And so it talks about different things that happened there. I'm glad the pictures are like a little blown up. They're like, they're not small so that you can really see as much as you possibly can the the massiveness of the sculpture you know that mm -hmm. it's not it's not diminished into this little what is it a four by six picture it's like yeah well, it's not an eight and a half by eleven either but I mean it's it's got a nice full two page wrapped so that you can see that this is the amount of work and thought that she put into creating this particular sculpture and it, it's it, to me it's exquisite yeah I it gives it. you the the full breadth of it right it tells there you, you like what you're going to be walking up on instead of just a little image far away so yeah it gives you images of her just trying to figure things out i really mm. appreciate how it's showing her doing the work mm -hmm. like it's literally showing her at a work table in a tank top with a ball cap on right outside somewhere drawing on a chart yeah and then it shows her with her friends laying in a field like i think a lot of biographies are in a sense, unapproachable mm -hmm. because you're putting these people up in this book and you're like, look at this person so mm -hmm. distinguished in these moments of their lives. But here she is standing on a, a pile of dirt directing a backhoe. Like right. she is in the business of doing the work. And I think right. that's a great metaphor for it. Not that other people aren't in right. the business of doing the work. I just appreciate the way this biographer specifically took these images and showed what she looked like in the midst of right. doing the work showing from the ground up not just what was produced in the end but actually what you know the steps she had to take for some of these particular sculptures that she was able to create right and it also shows that the tribal elders of the Nez Pierce Umatia mm -hmm. and Chinook who were a part of the confluence project a project that had approached her to design a memorial mm -hmm. they asked her specifically hey would you design a memorial so it was actually memorializing where Lewis and Clark ended in their discovery mm -hmm. with Sacagawea. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say that it's, I love that they have taken a person of color to create other persons of color's culture, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I like that. It's not, you know, I mean, she's not just creating things for her own culture, but she's creating things for other cultures by, and I'm sure she's done a lot of background research and took taking the time to figure out, you know, what she needed to learn in order to think of an idea of what she wanted to create on their behalf. And the fact that they contacted her and saying, hey, we like what you've done for different things and we want you to do this for us. That says a lot. Yeah, so it talks specifically here about the confluence and how they asked her to not just do the memorial, but like work on this project to celebrate Lewis and Clark's journey. Mm -hmm. And it says here that she really began to focus on it and her goal was not celebration as much as it was understanding. Mm -hmm. And it says she wanted to encourage people to look at the land as it is today and as it was in the past from different points of view. Mm -hmm. And she had planned six locations along the Columbia River for the project. And then it talks about how she wanted to hold up a mirror to reflect 
back upon Lewis and Clark's journey. So that started with working with park planners for the Cape Disappointment State Park, which is located at the mouth of Columbia River, mm-hmm. and how she even went as far as to replace parking lots with natural dunes and native grasses. Wow. Like she really respected the land the way the native people did and right. tried to really celebrate that and not just celebrate it, but also understand where they're coming from, understand mm-hmm. how they would have wanted this to be. Right. And she says, and a pullout quote on this page says, a lot of my work is not very glorious. If I succeeded, you may never know I was here. And I will say, I've never heard of her. And it's just refreshing to be able to see, you know, somebody like that to be just, we need to hear more stories of people that are not well noted, doing some amazing things in this world. And I just think that's pretty cool. Yeah, so this is an image of her with Horace Axtell, a Nez Perce tribal leader. And he's at this dedication of the Chief Timothy Park, a confluence project. And it's her and him kind of, you know, laughing at each other and Mm -hmm. chuckling. But just, it's such a image of solidarity and working together so I just exactly I find that so beautiful to look Mm -hmm. at his hand is on his cane he's got long white hair and she's got her headband on sunglasses (laughs) I mean it's just like they're in a park together right but it's just it's such a powerful image to me exactly so again that was Maya Lynn thinking with her hands by Susan Goldman Rubin and I just I mean, I've never heard of her either. I've never heard of her, and I'm just like, that is so amazing and cool. Right? So, the next book I have is is so gorgeous, y'all. I can't. I wish. So, I love this book. Right. So, this is Eyes That Kiss in the Corners by Joanna Ho, and it is just a celebration of the Asian American experience, and the illustrations are gorgeous. I cannot I say enough. The artist used Adobe Photoshop to create digital illustrations cool. for this book. And it goes through the experience of this little girl. And, I mean, it starts out with some people have eyes like sapphire lagoons with lashes like lace trim on ball gowns. Sweeping their cheeks as they twirl. Big eyes, long lashes. Do you hear the word play? Mm-hmm. Gosh, I mean, I just... Oh! And she says, not me. I have eyes that kiss in the corners and glow like warm tea. Glow like warm tea. I can feel that. And, oh, this is just such a striking illustration. I Mm -hmm. can, just this here, the confidence that she has in her and the self-resolution. She's just Mm -hmm. like, this is who I am. This is exactly who I am. And I love everything about it. And she says, my eyes are like mama's. And then she says, you know, she goes through her relationship with, her mom. Yeah. My mama is my sun and sky, and her eyes are just like a Amaz. Amaz. Okay. Mm-hmm. How did I learn that? Learn crazy. Uh, learn that word. Crazy rich Asians. Okay. <laughs> Another great book series. Yeah. And she talks about some heritage within the Asian culture. And it says, "I see my Guanyin, the Monkey King, sitting on a lotus, serene." Baubles of lychee on trees and mountains that reach for the sea. Ugh. My ama never ages, and her eyes are just like May May's. May May's eyes that kiss in the corners and glow like warm tea blink against the window until I come home from school. Her little sister. And her cheeks. She just looks yes. so. She looks so bored, and she's like, "Come on, come on!" <laughs> and the way they play. I think this may be my favorite picture of her in her uh, native garb. It's just, 
May May's eyes that kiss in the corners and glow like warm tea are just like mine. My eyes crinkle into crescent moons and sparkle like the stars. Gold flecks dance and twirl while stories whirl in their oolong pools, carrying tales of the past and hope for the future. When I say Joanna Ho has a way with words, I mean that. Like, I felt everything. Like, I, I felt the warm glow of the tea and... Oh my gosh, when I say, I'm not saying that I was to tears, but have you ever just been so, felt so good about reading something that you're just like, I've never wanted to buy a children's book for my own collection in a long time, but this one? Yeah. I, I loved it. So again, that is Eyes That Kiss in the Corner by Joanna Ho and illustrated by Zung Ho. Yeah, so... It was so. Uh, I, can, I I can't even. I'm speechless. It is. This it's, book it, it has left hard. me speechless. I think I did. I tell you when I read it. Did I say something about how much I loved it? Mm-hmm. I think I did. Yeah. I mean, oh goodness, it it's so warming and it's beautiful and it just. I I love. I in fact, uh, one of the books that I just read today that I thought I was going to be bringing for today, is a book that. Definitely somebody should pick up. It's South Asian, and it is called Laxmi's Mooch. And I just wrote my Goodreads review on it saying that I am so glad to see there's so many children's picture books coming out showing about acceptance, Mm -hmm. acceptance of themselves and acceptance of other people. Mm -hmm. And this is just one of them. The prettiness of the way the eyes crinkle and, and connect in the corners, I mean, or not even crinkle or connect the way that Joanna Ho says kiss the corners. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I it's just it's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> it is. It really is. It's one of those I'm probably going to go ahead and purchase from my own library. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go on to some ones we read or recommend. Okay. I've got three, but I'm going to go through them super quickly. Okay. One of them I'm going to start with. Actually, I'll go from oldest to newest. Okay, so the one I want to point out first, I actually had to find. I was like, I want to find something in the graphic novel section. And here we go. This one's called The Shadow Hero Hero, sorry, by Jean Luen Yang and Sunny Liu. And when I read about it, it was talking about that it is a comic series based on the Green Turtle. Okay. Whose hero solved crimes and fought injustice just like any other comics hero. But this mysterious mass crusader was hiding something more than your run-of-the-mill secret identity. The Green Turtle was the first Asian American superhero. Mm. So I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And I only have one, the very first copy. But I was like, let me make sure and look into this. I'm, gonna, I'm expecting that it's going to be just full of, you know, crime fighting and everything like that. And the pictures are... Are a little muted, not mm-hmm. a lot of color. I'm not sure. Well, of course, there are a couple of words that are a little bit highlighted with colors to really show the, you know, the whack, the thock, mm-hmm. the oof, the bash, you know, those. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the regular colors are just are, are muted. And I think it helps you to focus on more of the words mm-hmm. than per se the actual picture itself. I know you want to have a look, so I'm going to pass that off to you. But again, this is the first Asian-American superhero. Hmm. 
It's very Al, I know what I meant to remind to say. It's this is also by the best-selling author of American Born Chinese. Okay. I meant to remind it to say that. Okay. And that's that's a the shadow the shadow hero, Jean Luen Yang and Sunny Liu. My next one is a YA book that I purchased. I remember when I purchased it. I wanted to get some things for young adults to be able to learn how to write. And I thought that that's what this was. And it sort of kind of is, but I may have to re-catalog it in a different area because it does talk about this young man's rise to stardom as a YouTuber, but also how he kind of, how he had gotten into some struggles and he decided to Use those to help propel him to do better and work better. And this is called Ryan Higa's How to Write Good. And then at the bottom, it's got X, you know, like, well. Like, like you know, autocorrect. The, like autocorrect. And it says, listen, I'm as surprised about it as you are. But I have a story to tell that I believe will help inspire people who are going through tough times to not only persevere through those tough times, but to excel in them. And I couldn't be the only YouTuber without a book, could I? Um, so he says, but wait, there's more. You're not only going, you're not only getting my story, but you're also learn how to write good. And then he made a, a, a slash through good and put well from a college dropout who struggled in basic level English classes and still became a, a legit published best selling and that's spelled S-A-I-L-I-N-G author. And he puts in parentheses, that wasn't a typo. I plan to buy a boat one day, but probably not anytime soon. And he says this book might not sell good. And he just shows how, you know, mistakes are mistakes, but they can be corrected. Yeah. So I went and looked up a little bit more information about him. Believe it or not, Ryan is was born in Hawaii. Okay. He is of Okinawan descent, but he is was born to Japanese-American parents. Mm-hmm. He kind of started his rise into YouTubing around the mid-2000s, and I made sure to write this particular thing down. He started a, a parody of K-pop. He started a band in 2016 wow. that was a parody of K-pop, and they were surprised because the first song that they did actually went number two <laughs> on the Billboard show. Oh, my God. He didn't expect that. That's so funny. <laughs> so I love how this is in some ways in and out part uh, parts of comic book parts. And it's got different cha- chapters, and he calls them lessons. Like, for instance, lesson one is, who is your story about? Lesson four, you are not alone. Lesson eight, it's all in the details. And then lesson 13, the last one, the dark night of the soul. And I think it I think it's just a cool thing that I just wanted to bring about. I wanted to show that we got some young adult literature that's not just the regular stuff that, you know. Yeah. And it's possible that I might actually again put this into the biography because it might get lost on it because it's not just about writing. It is about how he made it through some difficult things. I also briefly read that it said that he is diagnosed ADHD. Okay. So, but yeah, this is Ryan Higa's How to Write Good, Autocorrect Well. Mm. <laughs> it's a 2017 and it's an IYA 790 section. Okay. Love yeah, that. Yeah, I like the format of it. It's, it was multi, uh, multimedia in the sense of right. that it was like comic and also regular text. 
And just so y'all know, I put the K-pop stuff in there because <laughs> Tori has been on this K-pop like binge oh, and, or a Korean language, Korean culture binge. And I just love seeing it. So I thought she'd get a kick out of it. I have. I've learned a lot about how Korean culture and Korean history has mm-hmm. really been shaped and how America has had a hand in that. Mm. And, it, you know... Not the greatest hand. Shocker. America? <laughs> what? But it's it's been definitely educational for sure. But. Yeah. And then my last one is an actual 2020. It's a read with Jenna recommendation. It's called White Ivy. It's by Susan Yang. And I really want to make sure I read this inside flap because do you see mm-hmm. the inside flap picture? Yeah. Ugh. Okay, so it says, Ivy Lynn is a thief and a liar, but you'd never know it by looking at her. White Ivy begins as many coming to American stories do. Ivy Lynn, a Chinese immigrant, grows up in a low-income apartment complex in Massachusetts, desperate to assimilate with her American peers. She develops a crush on the golden boy, Gideon Spire, whose patrician New England family is the paragon of the WASP, W-A-S-P, ideal. Ivy's mother is a tiger mom, berating Ivy regularly when she disapproves of her grades, her looks, and her attitude. But that's where the familiar story ends, because Ivy has a mentor, her grandmother, Mei Fing, from whom she learns to shoplift to get the things she needs. Ivy develops a taste for winning and for wealth, and years later, when she bumps into Gideon's sister, Ivy believes it's destiny. She's worked long and hard to be the right woman for Gideon. But just as they begin dating, another man from Ivy's past appears, and he has his own set of rules. Ivy soon has a foot in two vastly different worlds. And the question is, which will she choose? And I just like the front cover of it. What made me want to pick it up was because of the fact that I saw the front cover of this girl looking like she's hugging herself mm-hmm. and the page is like ripped in half. So it's like it was a full picture, but somehow the top part of the, the pictures got pulled away and it just showed the basic grayish form like somehow a a portion of the film on the top of the picture was pulled away so that you could still see the whole picture but one half of it was grayed out and I thought this was going to be a good cool somebody learning to come into their own and hopefully complete this entire picture like and Mm -hmm. that you're two separate people and again I just I thought it was pretty cool and I wanted to grab it and let's see who's on the back talking about Lucy Tan, the author of What We Were Promised, says it was dark and delicious. Mm. I like it when people say that a book was delicious. Like, it's just super <laughs> there edible. There are some really good ones out Right. There. So that was White Ivy by Susie Yang. And I really would recommend this to anybody. All right. Well, I have a red book and a recommended book. Okay. But they are not exclusively the same. I have <laughs> okay. read one. And I'm recommending it, and I have not read one, and I'm recommending it. <laughs> okay. So, the, the first one, I will say, I have a copy at home. It is on my bookshelf. I plan to get to it this year. <laughs> um, but it's called Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. And I'm just going to read the Goodreads summary of the book. Okay. It was a National Book Award finalist. The cover's light blue, and it's got this great illustration of this. It looks like an old Asian painting on the front Mm. of this woman sitting down and looking to her side. And I just, it's always caught my eye. So I did finally get a copy and 
I hope to read it soon. So this is just the quick summary of it. And it's, like I said, it's on my TBR. I want to read it. Okay. So I definitely recommend somebody else pick it up as well. In the early 1900s, teenage Sunja, the adored daughter of a crippled fisherman, falls for a wealthy stranger at the seashore near her home in Korea. He promises her the world, but when she discovers she is pregnant and that her lover is married, she refuses to be bought. Mm. Instead, she accepts an offer of marriage from a gentle, sickly minister passing through on his way to Japan. But her decision to abandon her home and to reject her son's powerful father sets off a dramatic saga that will echo down through the generations. Richly told and profoundly moving, Pachinko is a story of love, sacrifice, ambition, and loyalty. From bustling street markets to the halls of Japan's finest universities to the pachinko parlors of the criminal underworld, Lee's complex and passionate characters, strong, stubborn women, devoted sisters and sons, fathers shaken by moral crisis, survive and thrive against the indifferent arc of history. Mm. It's the angst for me, well, of Nicole. Course. So, you know, I, yes. as soon as I, you know, I've listened to definitely different recommendations of this because I mm-hmm. follow a couple different podcasts that have recommended this book in the past. And mm-hmm. the minute I hear that like she gets pregnant by this really powerful man mm-hmm. who tries to like buy her off and she's like, no, <laughs> I'm like, yes, why? Why? let me read this book. Yeah. So I really hope to get to it soon. And I hope that I can remember to follow up on it. If I do read it on yeah. here so I can tell everybody how it was. Right. So, that, again, was Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. And the second one I have is one I have read because I went on this huge Kazuo Ishiguro binge. I've read everything <laughs> by him, okay. pretty much. It was a couple years back, but, you know, he's most famous for Never Let Me Go. Uh, that was turned into a movie, and it okay. was a dystopian novel. And we have Never Let Me Go in our young adult. We do okay. not have this book in our library, but we do have books by him in our consortium, so we definitely okay. can get a copy for sure, but I just, I've literally read pretty much everything that he's published since 2018, um, and, like, I haven't read newer stuff by him, but, Mm -hmm. like, something overtook my body in the library (laughs) one day, and I just literally grabbed one hand on one side of his books and another hand on the other side (laughs) of the stack of books by Kazuo Ishiguro, and I literally picked up the entire thing and just walked off with it. (laughs) And I was in graduate school, and I was like, why am I doing this? But I just, I don't know, something <laughs> took over. <laughs> so, I'm, uh, the one that I wanted to talk about here is the one that, like, years later, I still, like, remember the impression it gave me. Mm. And I am thinking, like, as I'm, as I was looking for books to recommend, this is the book that, like, it gave me bits and pieces of what, I thought I knew about Asian culture mm-hmm. and told me that that's not what I knew mm. or that's what, that's not what it was. Oh, so okay. it helped me to develop my understanding further mm. and helped me to understand the writing is just so ghostly. Mm-hmm. Like Kazuo Ishiguro really plays with psychology in his writing. Okay. He's a very, he's very interested in memory and okay. how you remember things may not be what they actually were. Oh, okay. And like, I really, the angst of that is like, <laughs> You can have it in your head that something was the way it was, mm-hmm. and that is your truth. Right. And then somebody else is like, that never happened. Right. And you're like, what? You know, like, <laughs> it's just so, it's almost like a thriller in a sense to oh, me. Okay. Because not the book itself, but, like, the concepts that he deals with are always like, but did you really, 
did you really remember that the way? And it's like spine chilling in a mm. sense because it's like, did they almost? It's almost like his narrators are they reliable? Mm. Are they not reliable? Because like, what if they're what what they're remembering is not what actually happened? Right. Or what if what is in their consciousness is not the truth, and they are so set on that, but then you come to find out later, and it's just it's wild. It's to the me. angst. It is, but anyways, that's neither here nor This book is called When We Were Orphans, and it follows Christopher Banks. He's an English boy, and he was born in the early 20th century, Shanghai, and he was orphaned at age nine when his mother and father both vanished under mm. sus- suspicious circumstances. I can't, I was like, suspicious circumstances. And he was sent to live in England, and then he grows up and actually becomes a detective because he's driven by the mystery mm. of, like, where in the world did my parents go and, like, what happened to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he returns to Shanghai, like, driven by the need to find out what happened to his parents. And it's in the middle of the Sino-Japanese War, so, like, there's a lot of conflict between Japan and China over who is essentially the reigning crown of east asia in a sense like they're battling over who's the biggest power like Mm -hmm. every other country in the world and so he goes to shanghai and i'm just gonna read what it says i but within the layers of his narrative is is slowly revealed that what he can't or won't see that his memory despite what he wants to believe is not unaffected by his childhood tragedies that his powers of perception, the heralded clarity of his vision, because he's a detective, they're like, oh, this guy's so logical, mm. he's so straight-laced. The clarity of his vision can be blinding as well as enlightening, and that the simplest desires, a child for his parents, a man's for understanding, may give rise to the most complicated truths. Mm. And I just remember reading this book and being like hung on every chapter because I'm like, what is about to happen? I never knew (laughs) where the plot was going to go. And normally I don't really, I'm not one of those people who tries to figure it out. But like if it's coming up, I can see it coming up. I try to ignore it. I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, but I knew. This one, I was like, I don't even, what? I don't know what's happening from chapter to chapter. And he's, (laughs) Kazuo Ishiguro is just such a master of keeping you on your toes mm. as a reader. And it doesn't even have to be about a mystery like this. Mm-hmm. He has a couple other books, you know, and one of his other popular ones is Remains of the Day. And it's about okay. this very quiet butler. And there's nothing suspenseful about his day, but it's just the tone and the pacing that he mm. writes with is very, you just, I don't know if it's because I read Never Let Me Go first. Oh, but okay. Do you have to read them in order? No, no, they're uh, not a series at oh, all. Oh, they're not a series. No. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. This is just, I'm talking about his writing style in a sense overall. Mm-hmm. It's just something about his style leaves you, it makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Because he's, <laughs> he's really looking at the human psychology oh, okay. and how humans can choose to be the most brutal forms of themselves. Mm. And how they can just ignore that. That's deep. And it's like, we just ain't going to talk about that, huh? <laughs> right. And and he looks at how, you know, like I said, your memory affects you and how it really changes and shapes who you are and what happens at that intersection when you realize your memory and what you have set your whole identity on is mm-hmm. not what you thought it was. 
And in this essay, I will. Like, I have so much to say about this author alone. But, again, that was When We Were Orphans by Kazuo Ishiguro. And I would recommend pretty much anything by him. Okay. He's just... If you're looking for something that will literally... I don't want to say keep you up at night. But you'll just be like, (laughs) what did I just read? And it'll sit with you for a couple days because you're like... That, that would. Definitely me, because I would be the one trying to figure it out. I'm I'm the person that likes to do that. Whether I'm watching a TV show, whether I'm reading a book, I'm constantly like, okay, what's happening? And sometimes I'll call it. Mm-hmm. Like, even last night, we were watching, my husband and I were watching 911. And I was saying something about it. I was like, mm, he's going to go up there and push this guy off the roof. And Mark was like, you think so? I was like, mm-hmm. Sure enough, later into the show, he gets... <laughs> <laughs> that's pushes. a that's an enneagram one thing my mom does that too and I'm like, stop <laughs> i mean but of course i mean sometimes i say it out loud but sometimes i'm inner mm-hmm. inner thinking it and i'm going okay this could go like two three different ways but this is the one i think i'm leaning towards mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be me though that would be up at night trying to figure out what's coming next i just i would have to say i i read a lot of books <laughs> I've never read anybody like this specific author. Okay. Like, there's nobody I can compare him to that I've read before. Oh, okay. He is literally in a class of his own in my head because I can't, mm. I can't figure. It's creepy, but it's not like mm-hmm. keep you up at night creepy. It's like, um, your whole life is a lie, kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everything and like, you've known is not. Yeah, and it's like. Oh, my God. And it just really makes you want to sit down for a minute. Like, let me catch my breath. Because, like, <laughs> what did I... It, it, it hits different. That's it all I got to say. It hits real different. <laughs> well, so. I think we have really done something wonderful here today with highlighting uh, the Asian American culture and Pacific Islanders. I think we've done something really good here with these. And I'm really hoping that we'll have people come in and um, check these great reads out that we've suggested those that we've recommended those that we have adorably loved like eyes that kiss in the corners guys if y'all don't just read this book omg just read it that was so, I, I cannot say enough sweet things gorgeous. about that book but wow what a great podcast today yes so, ma'am. as always we thank you all for listening so much give us some feedback we'd love it don't forget to share like subscribe all that good stuff and we hope to see you next week yeah and again our show notes can be found at lounslibrary.com so you can quickly share that link with others they won't need a podcast listening app right and again if you spend enough time with us that you listen to our full podcast we would just please ask that you would share us recommend us to somebody you think would enjoy us as well so we'll see you guys next week see ya Bye. bye